Welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy hockey show. Hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario. You can follow me at Statsman22. We'll give you a reminder about that later on in the show as well. My co-host is AJ Schultz, a great follow at AJ Schultz, 2-4, based in Sun Perry, Wisconsin, very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. All right, partner, before we do a sweep of our 32 teams, we want to take a look, since it's the mid-season point in the NHL for most teams, they will have reached it or passed it by the end of this week for sure. Uh, Let's take a quick look at the standings and do a quick uh, snapshot about what teams might be thinking of, whether they're in the top half or the bottom half, and maybe uh, a playoff preview outlook. Uh, For instance, in the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins are playing otherworldly they're they're at a 32 four and four mark aj 68 points it's on pace for the best winning percentage of any season in the modern era of hockey and the maple leafs trail them by 11 points the bruins actually have a game in hand too uh leafs are pretty much locked into second place because lightning trailed them they could flip between now and the end of the season of course but it looks like that's the first round matchup that these teams will face again replaying what they did last year in that seven game stretch then there's a team that disappointed so far, the Florida Panthers. I wonder if you think they're out of the running with 42 points and 42 games played, and the rest of the teams probably don't factor in. Maybe we can give a nod to Detroit and say, oh, sure, maybe they have some games in hand. But uh, what say you about the, the makeup of this division and uh, surprises maybe? Yeah, I mean, obviously Florida being uh, not in the mix up at the top, we you know we obviously knew it was going to be uh, close, uh, at the top and in it, you know, probably would have been if Boston didn't play uh, quite this good. Uh, obviously, you know, Toronto and Tampa are pretty close. If you give Tampa two more games, they could get four more points and then just be three back there. So, uh, of course, you know, at the point of the season we are, it's hard to say that any, not, maybe not any, but hard to say that some teams are would be out of a playoff spot um, at this point. But you know, they're, you're looking nine, you know, nine points back. The Leafs or the Lightning have three games in hand. Buffalo, who they're tied with, also has three games in hand. They're certainly not in a good spot. And then if you look at, you know, just a goal differential for the top uh, part of this league, even Buffalo sitting uh, plus 17 and then Florida on the minus half of that equation at minus seven. So um, it, it's, it would take a pretty significant run here down the stretch. For them to get in, um, I, I wouldn't feel super confident if I were them right now. Obviously, the wild card is, you know, maybe a little bit closer um, to that, but we can touch on the wild card race. I think once we take a look at the Metro, Paul, I'll lead us into that okay. one. And uh, we got Carolina at the top 57, pretty close race with the New Jersey Devils. I think if there's maybe a surprise team in this mix, it might be. New Jersey, maybe not a huge surprise, but maybe uh, outperforming. I don't know if you would have predicted top three at this point in the in the season. Rangers at 53, Washington at 52, sitting technically outside of that lock spot for the Metro. The Penguins at 48, and even the Islanders at 47. The Flyers and, and uh, Blue Jackets rounding out the top here. So, uh, Paul, what's your analysis of kind of the Metro how that shakes up, and I'll let you take first crack at what do you think the wild card in the East here looks like as well. Well, first of all, uh, when you said about the Devils, neither one of us picked them in the top three. I checked; we were 
picking them fourth or fifth. So they have to be rated as a big surprise uh, so far, but uh, it's on merit. Their offense certainly is taking and bopping, and the goalie tandem is looking pretty good too. So they're full value for being in second place, but it is really tight, as you suggested. Right now, Washington and Pittsburgh hold down the two wild card spots, and, and the Islanders are also in the mix too. I think you can pretty much count out Philadelphia and Columbus as also runs in this division and uh, non-playoff participants. So be curious to see what kind of moves they might make to uh, change their roster up before the trade deadline. But Carolina Hurricanes putting it all together. They got Max Fetcheretti finally playing some games too to bolster that offense. And uh, you talked about the plus minus the goal differential. There are six teams in this division that have scored more than they've given up to give you a sense for the quality and the depth of this loop. And uh, I think it could uh, definitely fluctuate because from second place well from first place to sixth place there's a gap of only 10 points aj and uh, that's pretty tight i think we're going to see it move around and maybe injuries and the health of uh, some of the teams is going to really tell the tale well and i'll just add paul looking at the the wild card breakdown here right now it's washington pittsburgh making it in Uh, you mentioned the islanders the sabers and panthers would be uh, six points out of uh, Pittsburgh getting that last wild card spot. So if you had to take a guess right now, uh, I, I would probably say Pittsburgh. And then I might say Buffalo could get in the mix. Washington's been playing a little bit better. Um, but I would say maybe Pittsburgh, Washington and Buffalo, the three teams I think are vying for those two spots. What about you, Paul? Yeah, I I think the both teams are going to come from the – the Metro Division, AJ, when I look at the Sabres, they've got 42 points. Uh, the, by comparison, the Capitals have 52. I mean, there's four games in hand for the Sabres in that in that That's eight race. points right there, eight Paul. Eight points, but they, they, have to, they don't matter until you win them, buddy. So so <laughs> I, I'm looking at that. I thought it was quite a gap, and Washington has really fortified themselves. I mean, we, I touched on it in the morning show that we did at DraftKings, uh, how they got three key forwards back in the fold, and we'll – We'll remind our listeners about that development a little bit later when we go in depth on teams. I think the Penguins, too, are going to factor in. Uh, they're set at 48 points. They only have – Sabres only have one game in hand, and they're six points behind there. Awfully tough to make up a margin like that as the season get, gets older. So it's up to Buffalo to really go on a hot streak to close that gap sooner rather than later. Otherwise, they'll be on the outside looking in. The Central Division uh, of the Western Conference, AJ, a similar tale when really you look at the top six teams – Considering Colorado right now is sixth in that division, they have three games in hand on Dallas. They're trailing them by 13 points. That's quite a margin, and it's attributable to the fact that Colorado's just been blasted by injuries all season long. They'll be hard-pressed to make the playoffs if uh, they don't get their act together soon. Nashville is just ahead of them, but they're playing. the Preds are playing really good hockey. The Blues have seen to sort out their defensive situation a little bit, and they're getting good offense, but they've played more games sitting at 45 points at the top of the division, kind of sets themselves apart. Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Dallas, I think, will be the top three teams in this division. I don't know that Colorado can catch any of them, but uh, they'll have to put a streak together. That's my sense. Arizona and Chicago well on the outside looking in. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that full assessment there, Paul. I don't – you know, Colorado – May you know it's hard to count them out, right? They're yeah. just such a good team, and you're right; they have been really hampered by injuries to open the year. So, um, you know, and again, putting it back to to gold differential, I know that's not the be all end all, but it is such a telling stat. Uh, they're actually plus one, and that's ahead of Nashville and and St. Louis, who are both ahead of them in the standings. So, 
if they can continue to kind of add to that goal differential, I think you'll see kind of a corresponding rise in the, uh, in the standings there. So um, I think, I think they're probably put themselves in enough of a hole that we're talking wild card potentially for them. Um, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't completely count them out tracking down, you know, a Minnesota or, or possibly even Winnipeg uh, for that, that third spot in the central Looking at the Pacific, uh, we'll just count out, uh, to steal your term, Paul, the also rans of, of Anaheim with 28 points, San Jose with 34, and even probably Vancouver with 37. From there, we get a little more competitive working our way up. Edmonton at 45, Calgary at 47, and then our three current playoff teams, Seattle with 52 points, the Los Angeles Kings at 54, and Vegas Golden Knights. At 56, I think what you're going to see most from this one is very similar to what we're expecting out of the Metro. I think it's going to be a dogfight down here to the end. Uh, Any one of these teams is in a position to take that top spot. I mean, you talk Vegas has two games in hand on Los Angeles, so they could spread a gap there. Uh, Seattle has two games in hand on Vegas, meaning they have four in hand on the Kings. So uh, there's a lot of hockey to be played between these three teams. And certainly, you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, hard to count out. Edmonton at any point. Calgary, I would say maybe underperforming where they were last year, but they're still in a spot to put themselves in it. So that's kind of how I see the Pacific, Paul. What's what's your take and uh, how's this wild card shaping up? Well, there's five teams separated by 11 points, AJ. And, and the teams in the wild card right now in the hunt are Calgary and Edmonton. Who's going to disqualify those two teams at this point in time? You know that they're both going to look to fortify themselves. I heard recently that the Oilers particularly are burning the phone lines, trying to find more defensive help. So you can bet that they'll be active at the trade deadline. And Calgary, I think that their additions have had plenty of time to try and fit in. Has, has got some traction in that regard. I think Uyghur's a little bit of a step behind in terms of his fit with the club. I thought they were both going to be outstanding additions, and I think before the end of the season we'll see that. So I don't know that I can discount either one of them from this playoff race. Seattle, to me, is is the shocker. We thought they'd be a good team, but I didn't think they'd be this competitive. Outscoring a lot of teams in the league, too, is the big surprise here when you consider that they got a lot of other teams' cast-offs second and third line players and they've turned some of them into first line players with extra ice time and opportunity so they're really in the hunt they could even win the division if uh, Vegas falters a little bit Kings are a little bit of a surprise too because they had defensive woes and but they've outscored their problems and and the goaltending is starting to sort itself out as Felix Phoenix Copley has been a surprise addition uh, to bolster that aspect of you that's my sense there um do you think both wild cards will come from one division or will it be one and one here in your assessment when you break down the wild card for us? I mean, I'm just uh, not, you know, I'm not sold on assuming Colorado's out of it. I'm not saying you are, but just, you no, know, I'm not. Colorado, I think, you know, you look right now, they're just two points back. I mean, this yeah. is such a tight group. Uh, Edmonton at 45, that's tied with the blues, Nashville, Colorado, uh, all right in that two point range. So, I would expect we'll probably see uh, Colorado push for it. Um, and it could go either way. It could be, I think it could be two Pacifics, two centrals or one of each, obviously. So um, it, it, it will be a tight race. And I would be shocked if we knew who this wild card was before, you know, last game, you know, last day or two of games uh, in this Western. 
Absolutely right, partner. Well, let's uh, swing into our look at the 32 teams, and we'll have to touch on some of those Ulcerans, maybe highlighting some players that might be on the, on the trade block for those teams, beginning with a look at Anaheim. Uh, I like what I see out of Mason McTavish being the first-line role here, though, i got to say. Yeah, looking at Anaheim, some uh, injury, uh, probably good news right now for them. Uh, Trevor Zegras was uh, under the weather at, uh, for yesterday's practice, but it looks like he's uh, you know, uh, going to play today most likely. We haven't gotten confirmation of that yet, but he was on the ice for the game day skate. Looks good to go. Max Jones is going to suit up. He's been out of action since about mid-December, so about a month sideline for him. And then Isaac Lidstrom uh, is going to travel with the team. Uh, no guarantees that he'll be uh, in the lineup there, but when they, he'll at least be with them for an upcoming road trip as well. So uh, some good news on the injury front for them. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned McTavish, uh, three goals and three assists in this last uh, last week of games since we were uh, last with you here on podcast. And so a good week for him. Uh, but overall, uh, getting a little bit healthier than they have been. I think, you know, obviously we were not expecting them to make the playoffs or anything here, but it, they're with some of these guys back. I think they're going to be a much more challenging team to get past uh, for the rest of the Pacific. And I think that same statement holds true for Arizona. AJ, we've saw, seen uh, the goaltending uh, had been solid until the last couple of weeks. That's where I'll start with my notes here. Carol Vimelka had been heroic for much of the season, but he's really hit a first slump in uh, the two years that he's been backstopping this club. Maybe the rubber is getting to him. Five straight losses, consider this. 23 goals against the save percentage of 861 in that stretch. I think he might be broken with all the work that he's had. And uh, Connor Ingram is back in the fold and may, may be a good time to give him a run of games just to, for Vimelka to catch his breath and maybe uh, reload uh, the energy component of his game. And I think things will be right in the nets. But interesting development up front. For most of the season, Travis Boyd had held a scoring line center position role, which I didn't really understand seeing him as a bottom six player in the Maple Leaf system for a couple of years and in the minors. I don't know how he graduated to that opportunity, but maybe it was a telling statement on the quality of the peers around him. But now that they've got Barrett Hayton in the first line role, he had a nice week with two goals and two assists. And Nick Bugstad is a big guy, AJ. You know uh, from having seen him with your Penguins for a while, he's a big body. He can play a two, two-way two game uh, when he's on, on top of his game. I don't know that he can be a big score, big-time scorer to merit his top six role, but he is the second-line center and relegating Boyd to a third, more appropriate third-line role. That's a key development here, I think, because they're going to get more mileage out of Peyton and Bukestad than they would ever out of Boyd. I don't know why they waited this long, but they're getting it right now. And uh, another guy that's moved down to make room for the top six is Nick Ritchie. They entertained him as a top six forward for a while, but now he's in the bottom six as well. Lawson, Krause, and Clayton Keller, probably the two signature pieces offensively, getting a good run here in scoring line roles, and uh, they're making good with it. Nick Schmaltz has had a, a good season in terms of being healthier than, than he's been in the past. He's got a total of 19 points in 24 games played, so he, he's had a uh, about two months where he hasn't missed any hockey except for one game. That's probably the longest stretch he could say in the last couple of years. So some positive news in terms of the, of the way this club is made up, but they're really hurting in the nets with Ramelka getting tired, it looks like to me. This past week, we saw uh, David Pasternak kind of knock on the uh, tap on the shoulders, rather, of, of the top of the league 
in terms of the goal scorers and the Rocket Trophy saying, hey, hey, uh, don't forget about me here. Seven goals in the three games this past week. That's got him back into second in the goal scoring race. Obviously, Connor McDavid's still up top. We've talked a ton about Tage Thompson and Jason Robertson. Uh, but yeah, Pasternak just coming roaring back this week to put himself in the mix there. Brad Marchant with a real good week, three goals, three and assists. Uh, Trent Frederick pitched up three points. Bit of an injury uh, knock. Uh, you know, Jake DeBrus got hurt in that uh, that Winter Classic. Originally, it looked like it maybe wouldn't be too, uh, you know, too bad of an issue, but they actually put him on long-term injured reserve. He's got both a hand injury and a lower body injury. So that means a minimum of 10 games or 24 days with him on the shelf. So he'll be out until mid uh, mid February. So kind of a big blow there for DeBrusque. And I think it's going to mean uh, more opportunities for Craig Smith, who is currently set to play with Marchand and Bergeron while Pasternak kind of anchors that second line with Pavel Zaka and David Krejci. They've got Taylor Hall down on the third line. So they've got uh, some really spread out uh, combinations. And of course the goaltending continues to be phenomenal. Jeremy Swayman, two wins and two starts this last week. Nine four eight was the save percentage. Linus Holmark got one start, secured a victory in that one as well with a nine three three save percentage. So, really, again, just everything continues to roll for the this team. Uh, I you know I don't know right now. I, I there's not seemingly a good way or a formula that anybody has really figured out how to stop them. They score a ton of goals while also stopping you from from scoring uh, goals your way. So I, I really don't know how anybody's going to knock them off. It, they are going to be a challenge uh, the rest of the season. No question. You wonder if there's ever going to be a blip on their schedule with a couple of losses that we talked about in a week. It hasn't happened yet. Only four to date, which is remarkable. Uh, the Sabres can't say the same. They've lost three of their last five. They're giving up a lot more goals lately, AJ, and that's a bit of a telltale sign for me. Seattle and Philadelphia beating them in the last two starts. They've averaged over four goals against in their last four. And even a high-scoring team like Buffalo is not going to get four every night. So that's a concern unless they can put a lid on it somehow. And one guy who's trying his best at both ends of the ice to make that happen is Rasmus Dahlin. He's insinuated himself into the defense scoring leaders all of a sudden with a very nice week where he totaled about eight points, three goals, and five helpers last week to to draw within nine of Eric Carlson, who's holding down the top spot in the league in terms of defense scoring. But after that, Darlene sits it with 46 points in 38 games on a career-best season. He's getting over three shots on goal per game and doing it at both ends of the ice with a physical presence that's caused him to be a leader on the team and hits with 58 and blocked shots with 67. So he's clearly doing it all at both ends of the ice for Buffalo right now. And uh, good news there. And uh, this team is not just a one-line club, though, AJ. We've talked about J.J. Thompson, Alex Tuck, and Jeff Skinner all season long, but they're getting good mileage out of Dylan Cousins, who's really emerged as a second, a solid second-line center. There, It's going to be a theme that we touch on, I think, throughout the course of this show with a number of teams really boasting the fact that they have two solid centermen that can score. A uh, playmaking winger like Vinny Hillenstrosa, also an asp- asset, and Raspis Asplund. they got to upgrade on that position, I think, uh, to round out the top six. That's maybe what separates some of the contenders from pretenders, uh, the top six needs to be more solid than maybe Hinnestrosa and Asplund. Uh, two spots the Sabres might look to upgrade there down the stretch if they can. 
Well, Max Pacioretty exploded onto the scene in his Carolina debut this past week. Didn't uh, get any points in his first game, but six shots on goal was kind of an indication of what you were going to expect. And sure enough, three goals through the other two games uh, over this past week. So bringing exactly what they brought him in to do. Uh, plenty of goal scoring. That should really continue. I mean, the shot totals are really high right now. Uh, power play minutes are right there as well. So everything that he was projected to do and really gives them just a ton of options here. I mean, you've got Pacioretty on the top line with Aho and Satsarvis. Svechnikov now on the second line with Stastny. They've kept the Jordan Stahl line pretty much the same because Stahl's been leading the way that way on that one. And then, of course, that leaves them with a fourth line right now of Tuvo Teravainen, Josper Kachkanemi, and Stefan Nosen. Like, that's just a ridiculous group. Let's not forget Andre Kasha is still on IR and could be activated at some point as well. I'll be honest, I'm not sure where he fits into this lineup, maybe on that fourth line. Um, but this is just a super talented group, you know, and we can't forget the defensemen either. Brady Shkay with four points this last week, Pesci with three assists. And, oh, yeah, they also have a big bearded beast on the back line with Brent Burns there as well. So this is just a ridiculously stacked Carolina team that's also going to get more help potentially in terms of net mining. Not that they really need it, but Freddie Anderson looking like he could be back at any point. I don't know what that means for the other two guys in the nets in terms of, uh, you know, what the breakdown of who's going to start when and where is going to be, but uh, you know, their, their guy Kuchi dropped three straight this last week. So maybe he heads back to the minors and then Freddie Anderson takes over between the pipes. And that's, that's a, would be quite a fall from brace as a, as a guy who's potentially the rookie of the year, a leader in the clubhouse, almost at the halfway point, Pochetkov has had a very nice first half of the season, but they're paying, they're paying Freddie Anderson a lot of money and they want to see, how much he's going to give them back if he gets the chance to play. It's not going to be once every four games. Uh, in Calgary, you know, there's a couple of disappointments on this roster, AJ, that we've touched upon, uh, maybe only briefly, but Andrew Mangiapane signed a big dollar contract at the start of the season, three years at over $5 million, and the return has been uh, leaving the club wanting. He's only got 19 points at the halfway mark. That's well below what their expectation was. And he's been relegated to a third-line status. And, I mean, we've touched on the, the trade that they made a number of times, uh, thinking that Mackenzie Weger was going to be a kind of a tie-breaking element here. But uh, he's only got 10 points at the halfway mark, so well below what was expected of him. Add in the fact that another defenseman has underperformed, that's Noah Hannafin. He was on almost a 50-point street uh, pace last season, Finished with 48, I believe. He's going to be on about a 35 point, 34, 35 point streak with only 17 at the halfway mark to date. And they both seeded uh, the first line power play role to Rasmus Anderson, who has held them off and, and had another fine season. He's got 27 in, in uh, 42 games. So on pace for about 55 again uh, to solidify his hold on the top role there but uh, the the way they've got this lineup configured now has me scratching my head not only is Manjipani out of the top six but Milan Lucic is in the top six AJ this guy has been a bottom six guy ever since he was in Calgary he's got a few points going for him recently partnered with Huberto and Kadri he he and Kadri in fact have formed a pretty strong friendship off the ice and they're together on the ice here around Johnny Jonathan Huberto who's starting to get some traction I wonder if that's that line is going to stay together for a long time I could see 
then flipping Manjapani for Lucic to get bolster the offense. But maybe this is an attempt to stretch the roster and get more of a balance through the top three lines anyway. Over in Chicago, there's some injury concerns that are lingering for them. Alex Stalock is expected to still be out uh, tomorrow. He's under the weather, so they called up a goalie uh, from the minors to back up uh, back up Peter Morazic. Patrick Kane is not expected to play tomorrow either, uh, still dealing with a, a lower body injury there. They might get Mackenzie Entwistle back. Uh, is kind of a bottom six producer for them. I think the biggest kind of uh, storyline out of Chicago recently is that they, they essentially acknowledged, uh, or Domi did essentially acknowledge that he was signing a one-year deal here to uh, basically be traded at some point. That was basically uh, came out this past week, but now he's not so sure. He seems to be happy in Chicago. Um, if I'm the Blackhawks, I'm saying, hey, uh, we we got to get something for you, buddy. But uh, you know, give us a call in free agency. We'll 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 talk uh, in the off season here once you go and, and get us some draft picks. But we we need we need you to leave right now. Um, so we'll see how all that shakes out. But yeah, kind of an interesting note that Dome expressed uh, some desire to stay in Chicago if that's uh, you know possible. And in Columbus, it's much the same story where they're trying to audition players to see who will fit in longer term. Emil Benstrom has been promoted to a right wing on the top line with positive reviews in the recent games. He got uh, a couple of points last week, three assists, three goals, assists, I think. I think. Kirill Marchenko is another guy who's getting a good run on the offense in uh, in the right wing spot, challenging uh, Benstrom for some ice time, but likely locked into more of a third line role here. But he compiled up some points last week too, totaling four goals, in fact. So good offense from a couple of guys that are auditioning for more of a responsibility here. And even on defense, uh, Gavin Bayreuther Bay has uh, tried to get some traction. I mean, after the injury to Zacharensky, they're looking for answers here. And maybe Maybe Bayreuther is one of them. He got a couple of uh, goals last week and looked fine in, in a regular shift. So they've kind of stretched their defense to the max with, with a lack of really experience there. The only experience piece in the current six-pack is Eric Goodbranson. And uh, instead, they're giving guys like Magnus Bjork, Andrew Peake a run. Peake is getting a look in an offensive situations too. Could be uh, a good find if he finds his offensive game in that role has a chance to shine there longer term we mentioned the injury concerns that have plagued Colorado Um, they're not totally out of the woods yet they have gotten Nathan McKinnon back in his five games since returning from injury you're talking three goals two assists uh, including an 11 a ridiculous 11 shot game Uh, the power play minutes have been pretty heavy multiple games since he's come back where he's logged over six minutes of power play ice time. So that's certainly going to help them. Uh, the problem is they've got a bunch of injuries elsewhere and have had to pretty consistently roll with 11 forwards and seven defensemen. Recently, Gabriel Landeskog, Jared Bednar said, is nowhere near returning. Uh, that's certainly not encouraging. He said today or yesterday about uh, Val Natushkin that uh, he has really no idea on how long it could be. He basically said it could be tomorrow. It could be weeks from now um, because it's kind of a pain management issue. He, he's fine for the most part, he said, except for when he has to put on his skates. Uh, it causes some discomfort on the injury there. So that's certainly not what you want to hear from that standpoint. So 
Uh, the forward group remains really, really thin because they're so hard up against the cap uh, with guys like Landeskog and Nachushkin basically out indefinitely at this point. You've got Bowen Byram still sidelined. Josh Manson is out as well. And so really they are without uh, a lot of wiggle room and they've needed it this past week. Alexander Georgiev, one and two was the record. Uh, three, three, six was the goals against average. He needs to be way better than that as they try and ride out uh, these injury concerns. So they're going to need a run. They're going to need better goaltending. Um, you know, his, I would say his goaltending probably fine if they're already atop the league or, or at least in the playoff hunt here for a spot. But they're going to they're chasing right now because in a large part due to McKinnon's absence and they don't have time to waste uh, with his inconsistencies. And in Dallas, it wasn't so long ago, AJ, that we thought that their offense was thin, but they got enough offense now to fulfill two solid lines and then then some. In fact, Rupe Hintz has missed some time. He's about ready to rejoin the lineup. They didn't really miss a beat offensively. Wyatt Johnson has stepped up to chip in. Mason Marchman's been a, a discovery uh, that we talk about and Leaf fans lament because we basically gave him away. And now look what he's doing there, fitting in a role that Toronto could re- use, really use. Jamie Benn having a career uh, return to norm, I would say, after a couple of down seasons we've touched upon. And uh, all that's behind the top line that continues to tick and bop right along. And uh, and uh, Jake Ottinger has firmly established himself as a top five goalie in this league. They've kept a, a lid on the goals against all season long. And when the offense chips in as regularly as it does with a lot of secondary scoring, this looks like a very tough team, a tough out any anytime they hit the ice. Red Wings are getting healthy and could uh, similarly be a a very tough team to play right now. They've got Robbie Fabry back uh, from another knee injury. He's got two goals in three games since uh, returning. Tyler Bertuzzi uh, back on the ice for the first time played yesterday. Um, Didn't get any shots on goal, which is obviously a concern when you consider Detroit put seven goals up uh, and, and Bertuzzi didn't get a single shot. But again, give him some leeway just back from a pretty extended absence last played November 30th. So they're starting to get healthy here. I'm still somewhat befuddled as why they continue to carry three netminders. There's two teams in the league doing that right now. I just don't think that's a recipe for success, having so many guys in the room there. Um, if you need to trade somebody, you know, get that taken care of. Maybe they don't want to move Helberg back to the minors, uh, but I, I don't like – carrying three goaltenders, it seems like a waste of a roster spot to me. Well, and in Edmonton, they have to be scratching their heads. They're really relying heavily, obviously, on the, the twin towers of their offense. McDavid and Dreisaitl continuing to lead the way, but the, and, Mc, and Hyman has been caught up in their wake and having uh, a career season offensively. It looks like he got a three more goals to the mix, but they got a nice boost from Tyler Yamamoto with been on the fringe of top six involvement for a couple of years now, and he needs to continue to, to do what he did last week and score a couple of goals to merit consideration on the top six. Clint Costin is also a bit of a placeholder. All that's because of a guy like uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. I think they're running out of patience with this guy, AJ. He's playing out the string on a $3 million cap hit, 6'4", over 200 pounds, some great speed, and uh, uh, looks like some uh, good offensive skills are in the package. Just hasn't shown well despite prime time opportunities, and now he's relegated to bottom six roles. And uh, all that said, he might be running out of time, and I don't know that Edmonton will welcome him back. 
on another deal next year. Instead, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been uh, playing the part of a good soldier. He's getting well compensated, but he's on a third line role trying to drive uh, that unit with Matthias Janmark and Warren Fogel. Warren Fogel himself, a guy who's touched on uh, the top six. So another team that's looking to stretch their roster into a three-line offense, but really relying on the two guys up front and still waiting for Jack Campbell to start earning his money. And it's going to be paramount that he gets his act together because Stuart Skinner is now on the IR. He's on a personal leave of absence, uh, moved to a non-rostered position, in fact. So not too much clarity about what's going on there, but it puts the white light back on Jack Campbell. And it's time for him to start earning that salary right now. Well, speaking of earning their salaries, we are probably going to get a pretty heavy share of Sergei Bobrovsky in Florida moving forward. Spencer Knight popped up on injured reserve uh, with an undisclosed injury yesterday. We haven't seen any real details from the team yet on the nature of that. They called up Alex Lyon to serve as the number two, but I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Alex Lyon replacing Sergei Bobrovsky between the pipes. So it's going to be heavy Bob for them moving forward. And uh, we'll, they'll have to sink or swim with their $10 million man there. In terms of offensive production this last week, it's a, a lot of the guys you expect to be up there to chuck four points. Ekblad with a pair of goals, Barkov and Montour with a goal and three assists apiece. So uh, getting production from the offensive guys, production from some of the defensive guys. But the story for the Panthers right now is the injury to Spencer Knight and the fact that Sergei Bobrovsky is going to see the bulk of the workload moving forward. And uh, goaltending is part of the story over in Los Angeles, but it's not Jonathan Quick or Cal Peterson. It's Phoenix Copley who's been the headliner. His goals against is almost a full goal better than both goalies in, in, the, in the roster list in, in Los Angeles. Of course, Cal Peterson's in the minors now. Jonathan Quick has a 340 goals against average to show the comparison there. And L.A., we mentioned is vying for a top spot in their division and doing so on the heels of a 9-for-12, 9-and-3 stretch in the last few weeks here since the mid-December. And they've been really consistent in terms of keeping the lid on the goals against, but it's their offense that's, that's had an uptick as well. And that comes to, uh, to me as a bit of a surprise, AJ, when you consider that they're missing a couple of key pieces in that offensive mix. And those guys, Arthur Kaliev and Trevor Moore, will be lost for a little while yet. They're getting good mileage out of guys like Adrian Kenpe and Alex Ayafalo. Victor Arvidsson is a guy that, that they brought in to score some more, and Zikopitar and Philip Deneau holding down the center roles. So they're looking for a guy like Quinton Byfield to take the next step, AJ. And for a time, he was auditioned to the third-line center. He's getting a bit of a run with some reps on the wing on the top line to see if they can get some more offense out of him. He was a first-round pick, a high first-round pick not so long ago, and they'd like to see him take that step in his third pro season. He's only 20 years old, but they would like to see some traction from a guy who has all the tools quite uh, like Jesse Pugliarvi. They don't want him to turn into another version of him, but uh, a lot of guys are actually uh, got their orders in the water to buy him some time with some really good offensive play of late. Some good news for the Minnesota Wild. Matt Zuccarello was back in the lineup uh, after a two-game absence. He scored a goal last night, unfortunately, in a losing effort for the Wild. Um, They got uh, Brendan Duheim back as well, so they are really about the healthiest team in the league right now. Hopefully I'm not jinxing them there. Getting production on both the front end and the back end. Kirill Kaprasov with four goals in four games. And then you've got uh, Kalen Addison actually leading the way in points over the, that four-game stretch 
with five points as well, three of them coming on the power play. So really, I think this team's issue is more the defensive side of the puck. They've had a lot of goals uh, going uh, in uh, into the net, a lot of saves being required. Um, you know, the the game last night, you said, had Marc-Andre Fleury facing 43 shots from the Rangers. That's a pretty heavy, significant workload for him. In fact, uh, in each of his last four games, he's faced a minimum of 31 shots, a couple 40-shot performances in there as well. So they're going to need to get better in front of their nets and figure out how um, to not really hang these netminders out to dry. AJ, remember it wasn't so long ago that Jesperi Kotkaniemi was in my doghouse being an overrated first-round pick? Well, I got another one for you, and it's Jurag Slavkovsky. People are going to say, oh, but he's only 18 years old. He's only 18 years old, but he's getting a, a regular shift still on this team, playing lots of power play minutes. But get this, five shots on goal in his last 11 games. That's just not cutting it. And so there's talk about moving this guy into the minors to uh, to buy him some time to really find his game and get his traction as a pro because year one has been a, an unmitigated disaster in terms of him not showing a thing for me. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to be overly critical, but I guess I'm sounding like that. But he was the first overall pick, and he has all these attributes that thought, I thought he was going to hit the ice and hit it running. It's it's not unusual for first line first-year players to – the struggle, but he's really redefining that term for me. And in the meantime, they're not getting a lot of mileage out of their leadership right now. Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield have really cooled off in the last couple of weeks, and the offense has really suffered because of it. And, and that's no wonder that this team has lost eight of their last nine, AJ, with one exception, a 5-4 win over St. Louis. But otherwise, they're being outscored and outscored badly in a lot of games. And uh, to further make matters worse in the net mining situation, we thought that uh, Jake Allen would have a tough time staying healthy uh, behind this weak uh, defense, and uh, that's coming to pass. He's now dealing with an injury, a shoulder injury, that's keeping him out, and that's going to put more pressure on the defensive side of the puck for this team because Samuel Montembeau is now pushed into the top role, and Caden Primo is up in the minors. None of those guys are going to be in the, in the Vezina Trophy uh, discussion later this year at all. So they got a problem. For New Jersey, they got back Andre Palat this past week. No points yet in three games, but certainly throwing his body around, dishing out plenty of hits along the way. And I would imagine that the scoring is going to come eventually here. Nathan Bastian also traveling with the team. So that's a step in the right direction for them as well. On the injury front, same with John Marino. So either one of those guys could be back in the lineup sooner rather than later. Mackenzie Blackwood uh, is trending in the right direction here. He's uh, not played for a couple of games due to uh, a hand injury, um, but seems to be ready to at least serve as their number two. But I don't know how much action he's going to see. Vitek Vanasek, three wins this past week, just seven goals allowed. The 9-2-6 save percentage is going to keep anybody else from really pushing for a shot here. So while it seemed a year or two ago that Mackenzie Blackwood was going to be the netminder of the future for the New Jersey Devils, that certainly uh, has not come to pass. And it would appear as though Vitek Vanasek has taken over as the netminder uh, long-term here for the Devils. And uh, Nashville, a team that rolls into t- Toronto here tonight on a, on quite a streak. They've won five of their last six games and they're getting outstanding goaltending from UC Saros 
who's playing at the top of his game and saving 95% of the shots that he's faced in the last four games, including a 60-plus save effort in a victory uh, earlier last week. So uh, they're getting solid net minding. They have their offense is pretty much ticking and bopping along. Uh, Forsberg the leading the way there with two goals and one assist, and Parson and with four helpers. But I'm concerned about one guy that that I thought was, had found his game last year, and that's Ryan Johansson. Because for a couple of seasons on this show, we have maligned him against his contract, saying it was in line for the, the Jeff Skinner Award, which we get out to the worst contract in the league for a few years, but Skinner's righted himself. So maybe we got to rename it the Johansson award because right now he's back down where he was for a couple of seasons uh, with last year being the blip in a positive way. He's back and regressed to the point where he's really looking like one of the worst deals that's out there and uh, not living up to his end of the bargain at all. And uh, they're trying to find ways to, to move him around the roster. He's not, always in a center position, not always in a top six position because they have other players that have to move around. But Mikael Grandlin has been moved off that position and Johansson's back in a second line role. Grandlin, been a good soldier here for a long time, been a leading scorer here periodically for this club. But Nino Niederreiter is with him on that third line. So another team that's trying to stretch things out. Credit to Matt Duchesne for holding his end of the bargain offensively with a similar contract. At least he's on pace for like 65 points, which is bare minimum for the money that he's getting but he's done it two years in a row now after some bad seasons for himself so one of the two guys got it right if the other guy gets his act together this team could be something to fear down the stretch because goaltending's in place and the defense is really rock solid for me Simeon Varlamov was back from injury for the Islanders got a start this past week less than stellar giving up four goals on just 21 shots against uh, this team is really solid defensively, and so you would imagine uh, if a, if you're only facing 21 shots, you're expecting your goaltender to have most probably give up one in that type of game. So a pretty disappointing outing for him and really kind of a, a disappointment all around for the netminders. Sorokin went 1-1-1 one, one, and one in three games. The, the statistical numbers for him, 9-2-2 save percentage, 2.30 goals against average, not too shabby, but the fact of the matter is the record – is going to be all that counts when you're in the hunt uh, for, for playoff spots here. It looks like they might get Kyle Palmieri and or Adam Pellich back in the next week or so. Both guys have been on IR for a while and could certainly help in some of those avenues. Barzell, their leading scorer this past week, four points for him. Pajot with three, Casey Sezikis with three. Um, but I think that speaks a little bit to the fact that uh, in four games, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, their second leading scorer with just three points. They're going to need some production out of somebody else. I think it's a theme that we're going to continue to say all season long for the Islanders. They rely on defense, and they do a good job of it. But it, still, somebody's got to score a goal, or they're going to be losing a lot of low-scoring contests this year. Well, I'm finding a theme, AJ, of teams with third lines that are producing of late, and uh, that's causing their team's fortunes to rise dramatically. The Rangers are a team that benefited from that in the past week. They went 3-0, and and Jimmy Vesey and Philip Heedle were two-thirds of that third line that led the way. Heedle with three goals and uh, Vesey with three points, just on the heels of signing his extension with the Rangers. He's a happy chappy. And then Keandre Miller and Adam Fox are, are two young guys that are – carrying the load uh, offensively and defensively for this club. And and we're not even talking about a guy like Jacob Truba. So you know that they've got a wealth of options in, in the defense core. 
uh, offensively. And then uh, a guy like Braden Schneider, who's plying his trade successfully since he joined the NHL very recently, a highly touted rookie. I, I like this guy's game. I think he's going to be a hard rock and a real key piece of this defense going forward. And, of course, Igor Shesterkin, very happy to be behind all that group. But that third line, driving traffic, uh, offensive traffic to the Rangers is a real luxury when you consider they've got uh, a, a good number of guys ahead of them that are, have put the puck in on net on a regular basis all season long. On the injury front for Ottawa, Matthew Joseph won't play uh, to uh, tomorrow, I think is their game. Sorry, won't play tomorrow, but uh, seems to be heading in the right direction. He's practicing uh, and able to, to take contact with the team. Nikita Zaitsev is moving in the right direction, but he won't be in action for their upcoming three-game road trip. So are going to have to wait a little bit longer to get him back. But in terms of this forward group, it has been all Tim Stutzley this last week. Six points for him, including four goals in three games. The next closest, Brady to Chuck with just two points. Uh, so pretty heavy load of Tim Stutzley this last week, at least for opposing teams. I think we'll continue to see him settle himself in more and more as the leading producer on this team which is saying a lot when you have Brady Tuchuk and Jake Drake Batherson available as well. And let's not forget about Claude Giroux, but I think as we continue on and Stutzley gets a little bit more developed, uh, more used to the NHL level, uh, is going to just be a bigger and bigger contributor. It's hard. It's easy to forget that he is just 20 years old right now after going uh, you know, third overall back in the 2020 draft. AJ, while we're recording this live, I just saw a note about Chris Kreider of the Rangers. He's going to miss tonight's game. So for listeners who are looking to put their DFS lineup together tonight, you won't be including him in the lineup. There's no news about what exactly his illness or ailment is. And uh, in his place, Alexi Lafreniere gets another chance at a top six role. Over in Philadelphia, this is a team that uh, we have panned for much of the season. And just because they just can't seem to get on an offensive role to stay in touch with the the five or six teams that are ahead of them in the standings they have won five of their last six games but uh, maybe the highlight of the season came in in a game against buffalo uh, this past week where they won four nothing that was on the heels the day after maybe the worst game they played uh, of the season a 6-2 loss against the maple leafs so that's kind of the way it's gone for the flyers and it's testing john tortorella's patience but at least he can point to the fact that things are looking a little bit better on the whole in the last couple of weeks and that's because some of the kids are are delivering morgan frost uh, is a fixture now in the top six he's not going anywhere he picked up four more assists last week kevin hayes despite being in tortorella's doghouse chips in with four points Travis Konechny is a guy who's an interesting piece for me, AJ. He's a part of this team's leadership the way I see it, but uh, maybe a, a trade chip too. Uh, a lot of teams would like to have his feistiness in the role in their lineup, and he's one of their leading scorers on the season. But he now is playing out uh, a five, $5 million contract in the next couple of years, so it's a kind of an affordable hit if you're looking to bolster your top six and maybe you can work something out with the Flyers because I'm not sure they're going to be competitive in the next couple of years and who knows what, what kind of a haul they can get for one of their top scorers right now. So that's me kind of fanning possible trade rumor situation <laughs> for a guy who's got 42 points in 35 games. He'd be a hell of an addition to a team that's looking to bolster their offense. In any case, that brings us to a point in our show on a weekly basis. We take a pause here so that AJ can get his thoughts together. I know he got, he's got a lot of duty with, the copy on reading on the Caesars copy and a reminder for our upcoming teams that we got to still cover, including the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll give him a chance to catch his breath. 
and we'll take a commercial break right now. Let's take a pause and give our sponsors some airtime. We'll be back with some more news and notes from around the league. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back. AJ, over to you for the reader read about the Caesars uh, sponsorship and uh, the reminder of how to get in touch with us. We had a couple of interesting comments come our way. Players and fantasy leagues looking for advice. We are welcome welcoming those kinds of comments all the time and any questions you might have. But AJ, what about Caesars? Well, it's NFL postseason time, so of course. There's uh, plenty to uh, get in on, get in on the action there. Obviously, NHL, NBA, both in full swing as well. So it's the best time to try Caesars Sportsbook today. Anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem Caesars Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbook or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. As Paul mentioned, if you are looking to interact with us, find the show live when uh, when we share it. You can do that by checking us out over on Twitter at AJSholes24 for myself, at Statsman22 for Paul. And we'd love to interact with you, answer any questions you might have as you're uh, – managing your hockey team or just hockey or sports in general. AJ, the Pittsburgh Penguins have righted themselves a little bit from the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure you have some positive things to say about them uh, for a change because uh, they've disappointed you for the last couple of weeks overall. And uh, instead, now that we're talking about a two-game win streak. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's better than a, a not two-game win streak. I guess I'll <laughs> say that much, but um, they continue to be – Without Tristan Jari, Chris Letang still away from the team right now. Uh, Ryan Pulling, Jeff Petrie, and Josh Archibald all on IR as well. So the team still a little banged up. But as you said, Paul, two wins recently. Uh, Casey DeSmith got pulled in their game uh, just the other night. I believe it was last night. Dustin Tokarski comes in and they storm back for the win in that one. So really that speaks to... Uh, why they need Tristan Jari back sooner rather than later. Uh, Offensively, Gensel got going again. He had been in a bit of a slump, four points this last week. Crosby with five points. Jason Zucker, a pair of goals. Malkin uh, with a four-point night last night, so a good game for him. So the top six is doing really well. The, The rest of the lineup a little lacking in terms of offensive production. Not a whole lot coming from the blue line either. Of course, when you have your two leading offensive guys, uh, in Latang and Petri unavailable. That is going to happen. Ty Smith stepping into the gap a little bit, three points this past week. Uh, and so getting opportunities with the number one power play unit, that's a great spot to have him. In fact, his two assists against Vancouver last night, both coming with the man advantage. So um, he's definitely a player to watch until they get uh, you know one of these other defensemen back. AJ in Seattle, all things are good. They're on a six-game winning streak that laid waste to four Canadian teams on a road swing. 
Uh, it's now five games in a row that they won away from home, and uh, they're doing it on the strength of a high-octane offense. Quick math tells me that they tallied a total of 26 goals again, goals four in those five victories while giving up a total of 10. So you'll take that every day and twice on Sunday if you can get those kind of numbers in your favor. And it's no one, they're full value for being in the playoff hunt because of the depth that they've had offensively, but they're getting sparkling net mining from Martin Jones. And I believe in the eight-year history of the show, that I've never said that in the same <laughs> sentence, my friend, because he was toiling unsuccessfully in San Jose for a long time, but now he's in a more structured circumstance and he's rewarding this team for the faith that they showed in him and sitting with a 19-5 and record. I can't believe what I'm seeing from him this, so far this season. So kudos to them and kudos for him for lifting his game. And uh, they're another team that's doing it on the strength of an offense that's three lines deep. They picked up Eli Tolvin and off the waiver wire, and he's fit in in a third-line role, AJ, and solidified that unit. Since joining the club, he's got three goals and two helpers in six games. So it just seems like everything they touch offensively has turned into gold. And uh, your friend and mine, Jared McCann, continue, continues to move around the roster. I'm kind of curious to follow this guy. It's like a game of Where's Waldo this week. He's playing second-line minutes on the right side between, uh, beside Alex Wenberg and Jaden Swartz. Swartz is another guy who is offensive first. And so... Uh, they're doing it there with three lines deep, and Matty Beneers is having an outstanding year. And if a goalie doesn't win the Calder Trophy, he's going to be my pick to win that. Uh, now I'm on side with your preseason choice in that regard. Vince Dunn also making the Blues uh, miss him a lot in terms of the role that he's factored in offensively. Consider eight points in his last four games, AJ, running that potent power play on pace for a 60-point season on the blue line, which would be far and away his career best in the NHL. You have to feel for the fans of the San Jose Sharks. And if you have season tickets, you might be asking for your money back when you consider <laughs> on home ice, they're 4 11 and 6 at home. That's the worst home record in the league right now. And yes, that's worse than Chicago, Anaheim, Arizona, Columbus. Columbus actually uh, pretty good at home. They've got 10 wins at home. They're just abysmal once they leave. Uh, the state of Ohio, but uh, yeah. So back to San Jose, just really subpar at home. The net mining has been bad as well. Both Capo Kakinen and James Reimer saw action this past week. Both posted save percentages below 88% here. Uh, goals against averages were 3.47 for Kakinen, uh 4.12 for James Reimer. We're going to get more James Reimer tonight. And so, uh, we mentioned this uh, off the top, and I'll probably bring it up later. But uh, right now, if the Sharks are playing, it's probably a game worth targeting the over in terms of betting uh, because they are getting some offensive contributions. You saw this past week LeBanc with four points, Barabanov with three, Timo Meyer with three. Um, so they're they're producing a little bit of offense, uh, but the goaltending has been really bad. So maybe target the over in these San Jose matchups. In the St. Louis situation, I'll start with the goaltending, AJ, because I'm really confused by by the way that Craig Berube is using his tandem. In fact, he's leaning on on uh, Jordan Bennington and a, at a time where Bennington can't seem to keep the goals against under wraps. He's given up at least three in his last five, five starts. Mixed in there is an, a shutout win that they had over Minnesota. He didn't play in that game. Thomas Grice did. Grice has only played 11 or 12 games this year. This is a guy who's capable of playing 35 to 40, but I think it's a case of really wanting the the club to 
help Jordan Bennington find his way. But in a competitive situation, as they are fighting for a playoff spot, I don't know how much more rope they're going to give their presumptive number one starter, particularly if when he spelled, the backup can put up a, a game like that. So some something to watch there in the goaltending situation. They're missing Vladimir Tarasenko. I think I mentioned that last week. He's going to be reevaluated in a few weeks, but... He's not uh, going to be back in the lineup soon, putting pressure on the offense. But the offense is not the problem. They're getting good mileage out of, uh, again, two solid scoring lines. They can't say they have a third one intact, in and that might be a bit of a concern. They might want to find some pieces there. But without Tarasenko and O'Reilly, uh, that's two-thirds of what will be uh, another third scoring unit. So in the meantime, Braden Shen has had to step up his game. Ivan Barbashev and Brandon Saad. Brandon Saad has picked up his offense big time. So it's that second line that's kind of bridging the gap and holding places for the aforementioned Tarasenko and O'Reilly there. Over in Tampa Bay, it's more crucial than anywhere else to not put this team on the power play right now. And the reason being, you look at their top five scores this past week, it's their number one power play unit. Kucherov with six, Hagel, Hedman, and Stamkos all with four, and Braden Point with three. Uh, and and again, you look at the production, each one of these guys, at least 50% of their points, if not more from this past week, came with the man advantage. In fact, Braden Point, all of his points came with the man advantage this last week. And so you really need to prevent this team from getting power play opportunities uh, as much as you can, they are just shredding teams right now in that regard. Uh, speaking of kind of weird net mining situations, this past week we saw Andre Vasilevsky and Brian Elliott each get two starts, and it was Brian Elliott who outperformed. Now they both went 1 1 0, but Elliott 914 save percentage compared to Vasilevsky's 860. So, really kind of weird week for them. Uh, they're over, you know, if you're looking for reasons to be concerned, uh, the net minding, a little subpar from Andre Vasilevsky of late. Uh, he's not facing a lot of shots, so really defensively they've been pretty solid. Uh, in his first game this past week, he faced just 19 shots on goal, but he allowed three of them to get into the back of the net. Brian Elliott similarly um, you know, has looked a little bit better. He's faced a lot more rubber, though, um, you know, in a weird situation when they had Elliott take both games of a back-to-back, I, I don't believe – I'm going to circle up here real quick while I keep talking. I don't believe Vasilevsky uh, – he was under the weather, so that would explain it because really weird to see a goalie take get both games of a back-to-back, but still kind of some subpar for performances from him. You're going to want him to be better because right now the key to beating the Lightning would be just to stay out of the box. And AJ, I mean, the Leafs have won six of their last seven games. The goaltenders each performed well in a pair of weekend wins. And uh, so I, I have really very little concern in terms of where this team is right now. But I, I really wonder if if uh, they can be consistent down the stretch. That's a big question that remains unanswered. And uh, time will tell. But for the season to date, the Leafs have to be thrilled with the fact that they combined for a safe percentage almost around 92%. That's far and away an improvement over last year, and it's a big reason why they're in the top three in terms of team goals against. But the big news around town is that Austin Matthews is sidelined for tonight's game and maybe tomorrow as well. It it may amount to nothing more than a couple of maintenance days because they've had a 
busier schedule of late. And anytime they've got a key piece nicked, they, they have some latitude and some room in the standings to take care of these issues. Partnering with that is a more serious injury with uh, TJ Brody. He's actually been put on the IR uh, for at least a week. But even that's not as big a deal as it might have been earlier in the season with the emergence of Timothy Lilligren, Rasmus Anderson, and Connor Timmons, three young guys that uh, have really upped their game. Timmons most recently a solid addition uh, that they picked up in a minor trade that's worked out very well for Toronto. Morgan Riley's back in the fold, so they still have seven NHL-quality defensemen that they're going to run out there and Jordy Ben in reserve. So uh, they can afford to deal with these injuries because they've got the depth. And uh, called up for the minors is Bobby McMahon. I'll be interested to see what this guy looks like in the Toronto situation. He's given a third-line role. He's a big body, 6'2", 205 pounds. So he'll fit in alongside David Kampf, who's about the same size, They'll kind of protect Alice Kerfoot, more of a, a small buzzer, buzzing around type player on that third unit. And uh, in terms of the second line, they're going to put Willie Nylander in a center position and Pierre Engvall gets elevated. So uh, Engvall's elevated his game in the last couple of weeks, AJ, and chipped in offensively. He's got to show now in a scoring opportunity that he fits in there. And uh, uh, a lot of tests going on in Toronto and uh, the big one will come in April, but they're just concerned right now with keeping everybody health and healthy and nursing these little injuries when they can. We've talked a couple of times about the Vancouver Canucks just being kind of a meh team of late, very uh, kind of middle of the road four, six and Oh, the record over the last 10 games. So really indicative of what you're seeing there. Uh, Spencer Martin started uh, three games uh, or two started two games, rather appeared in three um, suffered three losses along the way, really underwhelming save percentage, 833, 5-1-7, the goals against average. Colin Delila, not much better, although he did get the win uh, in one of his uh, appearances here, 8-6-7 was his save percentage. So uh, if you're trying to do the math on that, who started what and how that all worked out, you're talking about guys coming in and getting the hook here and being replaced, and that's never a good sign for a team that wants to to try and get some wins. I think we're approaching a uh, tipping point for Vancouver where we got to look at what sort of aspect or uh, assets they have rather to potentially sell. You look at kind of short-term guys. Uh, they have the questions with Bo Horvat and the contract. It would be crazy to think they would trade their captain just 27 years of age, but he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. If they can't get something working there, um, it, it could come into play. Uh, they have, you know, a couple of guys from there. There's not really anybody on a short-term contract on the front end, a couple minor pieces on the back end. So um, contractually, the only guy that looks like much of a trade piece right now is really Bo Horvat. Um, you know, Connor Garland and Ilya Mikheyev both have another four years uh, or rather another three years remaining after this season on their deals. So it would be more of a hockey move than a, than a rental. Um, so they're not really set up to sell very well at this standpoint, which might be encouraging uh, for <laughs> Vancouver fans. But this team needs to figure something out. Obviously, if they can get Thatcher Demko back, that would be a huge boost to this team as well. But unfortunately, at this point, it might be too little too late.
In uh, Vegas, they finally have a uh, lineup where we can see what their four lines look like if they're all healthy. Uh, Jack Eichel rejoining the fold last week. He had one really good game and one really poor one in the comeback. But bigger things are expected of him down the stretch. He's partnered with Jonathan Marshall and Riley Smith. They've broken up a long-time line there. Willie Carlson is in the third-line situation with Kessel and uh, Paul Cotter on the left wing there. And the second line is where I want to land, AJ, because they've gotten really good mileage out of Michael Amadio, a career fourth liner for the most part. But he's emerged as a bit of a productive piece offensively in the last couple of weeks. He got suddenly got 11 points in 28 games, and he's playing alongside Mark Stone and the team's leading scorer, who is Chandler Stevenson. I bet you wouldn't have guessed that. But Stevenson being one of the good soldiers here who kept this team afloat during their injury was sitting with 40 points in 42 games played, deserves a tip of the hat in this corner uh, for helping this offense to keep this team relevant and now being ready to to challenge maybe even for the division before all is said and done. So kudos to him. And uh, Alex Petrangelo quietly on on his way to a, another 60-point season, even though he's missed some time, is looking really good in the, on the defensive side of the puck. Shea Theodore is a guy that they miss uh, on the back end, and uh, he is uh, expected to come back in the next few weeks, but uh, they're treading water uh, around him as well with the defense playing up to par and then some holding a, a lid on the goals against for the most part. They had two games in the last four where they allowed only two goals against, and the offense took care of those with some high production. So uh, with the full lineup, they have a look that uh, should be feared by most opponents, I think, when these forwards come and get more reps under them. Jack Eichel, it's going to terrorize the league, I think, before all is said and done. I think he's been wanting to do this for a while, but good health has eluded him. I think if he gets a good stretch, you'll be reminded why he was a second overall pick not so long ago. Over in Washington, the net mining of Darcy Kemper has definitely been a difference maker here. You look at his record right now, he hasn't suffered a regulation loss since November 19th. Now, he did miss a good chunk of December due to injury, but that's still 11 games without a regulation loss. 7-0-3 is the record in that stretch. 1-9-6, the goals against average. So really a fantastic run by him. There are a couple stinkers in there. He gave up five to Buffalo on January 3rd, but a lot of teams have given up a lot of goals to the Sabres this year, mm-hmm. so he's certainly not alone in that sense. I would say if there's a weak point on this team, it's honestly the offense. You look this past week of four games played over that stretch, Dylan Strom, Sonny Milano, Kuznetsov, uh, and Ovechkin all with three points apiece. Ovechkin obviously being the one to score all the goals. Um, so you would think maybe a little bit more offense out of them, but with the way Kemper's been playing lately, they haven't exactly needed it. And, Paul, you alluded to this off the top. They've got Tom Wilson back. They've got Backstrom back. They've got TJ Oshie back as well. And so that's allowed them to kind of shuffle things around right now in terms of the depth chart. We're looking at Sonny Milano getting a look on the top line with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, then Backstrom centering Eller and Oshie, and then Connor Sherry, who had been getting a lot of that top line uh, work with Ovechkin, now on the third line with Strom. And Wilson, I would expect these are pretty fluid as they try and work these guys back into the lineup. Certainly uh, opportunities there for Oshie when he first came back was on that top line. Uh, Wilson, of course, has worked in that spot before. And then, as I said, Connor Sherry there as well. Lars Eller and Dylan Strom could also flip. 
uh, as Eller has been a longtime third line center for this team. So a lot of fluidity, I think, to these line combinations. And I'll just give a plug to rotowire.com where you can go and see those. Every day we update those based on on their practices and, and how things are shaking out there. So it's something to keep an eye on to know who is really who is playing with Ovechkin, Milano, getting the look right now. In Winnipeg, we've talked for a long time about their the quality at forward, but I want to highlight a couple of defensemen that they're leaning on, and one who's had an outstanding year is Josh Morris. He's sitting with 46 points in 41 games played, easily the best that he's done in his career to date, and meriting all-star consideration this year at least. And uh, Neil Pionk, a little bit further behind him, he's got 19 points. He's picked up a couple of goals in the last week, so they're getting good offensive production for those two guys. And Nate Schmidt is a defensive conscience on the third pairing. So I like the makeup of the way they've got it laid out here with one quality guy on each pairing and a couple of defensive stalwarts to partner with them in, in De- Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon on the top two pairings. But uh, I think they'd like to see a bit of an upgrade on the second line. Cole Perfetti's kind of uh, uh, work in progress. I don't know. I think you can say he's had a bit of a, a nice season so far with 22 points in 36 games played. Uh, certainly in his second year, credible numbers, but uh, they want to see more production out of that spot over time. So it's up to him to to bump up that rate of production. Otherwise, that they, they might be searching for an upgrade at the trade deadline there because they want some more quality efforts beside Wheeler and Shifley in that spot. They have to be pleased, though, that Nikolai Ehlers has come back to the fold five points in the two games since he returned to the lineup playing on the top line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, who's on pace for a 100-point season. So a lot of pieces are in place. And for a long time, we were talking about Connor Hellebuck doing his best to keep a career best season in place. That took a bit of a hit. His last start out, he gave him six goals against the Red Wings. But we'll see if that was a blip on the radar or indicative of maybe him being overworked in the last little while because he it broke a string of some really good quality starts and came from nowhere really so i'll have my eye on his next uh, goalie appearance for sure aj that brings us to the end of our look at the 32 teams we'll switch our attention now to the lines uh betting lines ahead of tonight's schedule and uh, why don't you lead us off with your outlook on the washington capitals philadelphia flyers tilt this evening yeah, so the Capitals, pretty heavy favorites at minus 180 on the money line. The total sitting at six. And then Capitals on the puck line, minus one and a half uh, goals comes in at plus 150. And for me, I'm not totally certain that uh, Washington uh, could win by two. They, um, you know, I just said good things about them, but the offense has been a little bit stagnant. So I'm a little hesitant to bet, bet that puck line. One way to get some value out of this you can look at the 60-minute line, which becomes a three-way bet when you consider draw. So basically anything that would go to overtime uh, is an option there. And you can get the Capitals minus 105. So that's some pretty good value there. Um, and so I kind of turn to that 60-minute line. Uh, and, of course, we're talking a DK Sportsbook here, um, but most sportsbooks out there should have various options uh, like that. So there's always a way to find some value, even when a team's somewhat heavily favored uh, like what uh, well, like Washington is tonight at minus 180. And you know what? The Leafs are favored on the money line at minus 180. I don't quite get that because before I even heard of the Matthews news today and Bro- I knew Brody was out, I 
didn't like this matchup for the Leafs because the Nashville Predators are a team that's got their act together. The Leafs have played well of late too, but Nashville is really riding a hot streak right now. And on the strength of their goaltending alone, I would I would have given them the edge tonight. This was a game that I think Saros might have stolen. Uh, any might be stealing anyway. So I'm looking at the money line here at plus 155 as an attractive number. If the Leafs can keep it close, maybe they win a 3-1 game, and that might be the only way I would consider them on the puck line at plus 145. But uh, I think that the money line play on, on the Nashville side is the way to go in this one. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, Paul, we talked about this earlier today, this morning. It was plus 170 uh, for the Predators, so a, a, a big difference there between the two. Speaking of big differences, you look at the Edmonton Oilers Anaheim Ducks matchup here. You've got Edmonton minus 250 on the money line. Six and a half is the uh, total. I would expect if that goes over, it's going to be because of multitude of Edmonton Oilers goals. And you're not even getting good value on the puck line here. Edmonton minus a goal and a half comes in at minus 110. And again, let's talk a little bit about alternate lines on most sports books. You can give up an extra goal. So if you take Edmonton minus two and a half goals, you can get value up to plus 165 right now. I think that's a really good spot to to uh, to take a look here, get some more value on what should be a pretty one-sided game. You could target, of course, uh, some goal scorer props as well. Uh, I don't know if I'd go Connor McDavid tonight. Minus 145 seems like just not enough value for him. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl a little bit better at minus 120. And then, of course, Zach Hyman, who actually has the most goals uh, this past week, comes in uh, at plus 130. So um, there's some options to target. But, again, it's about finding value in these games, and you're just not getting it on the traditional money line or puck line in this one, uh, in my opinion, Paul. I think the same thing applies, AJ, to the remaining game on the schedule. Uh, certainly a rivalry game between San Jose and L.A. Anytime those two California teams get, get together, uh, spirits are high in that one. And uh, I expect the same tonight. But the Kings are playing much better hockey of late in their last 10 of good winning record while the Sharks are at the other end of the spectrum. So to me, a plus 175 on the money line for Sharks is not attractive enough to tilt the scales. And I don't think the payoff's enough for me to get on LA uh, at at the puck line at plus 115. So I'll be going for maybe uh, the alternate line on the over, thinking that LA's offense and the suspect defensive Sharks will will go a long way to taking us over the 6.5. I might even go to the alternate line and say, let's go over 7.5 and look for a shootout and get some plus money there. Or otherwise, it's individual player props, and I might take a look at some of the L.A. forwards in that situation. But for me, the money line and the puck line are off limits in this matchup. So that brings us to another end of another episode, AJ. And we'll be talking a lot about trade rumors in the next few weeks, too. I'm going to leave you with a couple of thoughts in terms of trade rumors and maybe contract situation. Patrick Kane has had a subpar season, AJ. I don't think there's any shock to saying that. Our listeners who are uh, watching the stats on a weekly basis know that this guy carries a $10 million cap hit, and yet he's going to be dealt in all likelihood at the trade deadline. And it's going to be a situation where Chicago has to take – back half the contract or as much money as they can to make it palatable for whoever, wherever he goes. And the big rumor that I'm hearing is the New York Rangers. So that's point one. And then I want to get your reaction to this. Locally, there's been a, a scribe who came out with a notion that, that Austin Matthews may be willing 
to go less than max in terms of the money that he might be looking for in his next contract, taking a page out of uh, the book by Patrice Bergeron in Boston, where he took a bit of a haircut salary-wise so that they could spend some money around him. I wonder if that's going to be the reality, or do you see him signing for the max in Toronto? So first Patrick Kane, and then Austin Matthews, please. Well, you know, looking at the the Kane thing, obviously you can make other moves, but the NHL max for re- salary retention is fifty percent. So you're talking about five million to eat. Now, looking at projected cap space right now around the league, um, like the Red Wings, the Ducks, the Sabers, and the Coyotes are the only three teams, barring any, of course, additional moves, but the only three teams that could take that on based on projected cap space um, over at cap friendly here. You could look at current cap space, which allows you to do a little bit more. um, And and maybe there's a few other teams, but it's pretty tight in terms of how you can fit 5 million in there. So while I agree, generally speaking, it seems like it's going to happen. It may be one of those weird ones where he uh, plays Zero games in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. Uh, comes through that way. So we'll have to wait and see how that all works out for him. And then as far as Matthews goes, uh, I mean, part of me has to just wonder, like, it sounds all well and great to take a, you know, home hometown discount, if you will, the team you've played with all this long. But how long does he want to continue to not make a deep run in the playoffs? Is there a point where he's going to say, all right, enough is enough. We've tried a hundred different things. We've tried four or five different, co- well, maybe not four or five different coaches, but they've had a, at least a couple different coaches. And so I think that's the bigger thing is uh, maybe he is truly willing to do that at some point, but they're going to need to make an actual sustained deep run into the postseason if he really is going to go that route, because I just don't see a scenario where he's not going to take full market value. And that's not to say, you know, that extra deal that on the eight year max is a big, big deal, especially when you consider what he'll be 27 ish when he signs it. So an eight year kind of uh, max deal would be pretty huge in that sense. And so that certainly has some appeal. There's not to say there isn't reason to stay, but to give a discount, you're going to want to do it knowing uh, that there's something worthwhile that you're getting essentially back in terms of like a playoff team uh, or a playoff run here. So I think the next two years, what happens in the postseason are going to probably determine whether that's actually true or not. Um, I, I think Max Steele probably would be more on my mind if I was him right now, just because of the lack of postseason success. Boy, oh boy, that's going to do for a lot of hand-wringing around Toronto and their fan base in the next couple of months anyway. So uh, I'm reading all the tidbits that I can about that whole story, but it seems like there are conflicting stories about that whole topic. So compelling situation here in Toronto, but there's going to be more of them that arise. Bo Horvat uh, fixture in Vancouver, another one that we could talk about, AJ, the fact that they're considering trading him they may have to because of their salary cap situation so all that intrigue and more is coming in the next few weeks and you're going to get our uh, breakdown in each of those situations so uh, thank you very much for listening to another episode of uh, podcast with statsman and aj uh, remember that as, as always we remind you that you, we're here to help you with your all your planning for your fantasy hockey uh, 
teams, and we encourage you to send your comments or questions. We had some beauties last week on Twitter where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening.